Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Sabonis down the lane with authority. Oh, Miles Turner bringing that smoke. Lundberg skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. The Setting the Pace podcast had Kevin Pritchard on. Well, you got it Setting the Pace, and I think that's terrific. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how's your day going, brother? Day is going well. We're just off Memorial Day weekend, but anytime you can talk Pacer basketball, you know I'm getting fired up, Alex. Absolutely. So today we've got a loaded show for you. We're going to be talking about teams that could be interested in trading one of our trading for one of our centers, but we're also going to look at free agent point guards for this upcoming free agency class. And I understand that the Pacers do not have a lot of money, but there are different avenues like we talked about last off season where they could still acquire somebody via sign and trade or, or other avenues. But Fachi, I want to start off talking about these point guards. Um, do you by any chance think that TJ McConnell does not come back to the Pacers next year? I mean, there's obviously a decent chance that he doesn't. However, I just feel like, McConnell, very well-liked, coming off a really good year at the Pacers. Sounds like he's going to be very affordable compared to, you know, what guys like McDermott could be going for. So I feel like if McConnell can come back at right around that $6 million per year mark, it seems like very much something the Pacers can work out. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that it's more likely that he comes back than he doesn't. I agree. But if there's some reason why they decide to move on, Looking at the point guard depth in the Pacers right now, you've got Malcolm Brogdon, you've got Aaron Holiday, and that's it because CJ McConnell is a free agent yep. looking at this 2021 uh, season. So they desperately need to get some point guard if they do not bring back TJ McConnell for some reason. And I have to ask this question as well because there's been debates on Twitter and, and, and Facebook and different platforms for Pacer fans to talk, but is Malcolm Brogdon the right guy at point guard five? I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's not a true point guard. And I know those are hard to come by, but if you're not a true point guard, then I think it's always up in the air if you're the right man for the job. And by bringing on Karis LeVert, you have another guy that can handle the ball. So Brogdon, good player, not a great player. So, you know, good players, they are expendable. 
great players, you know, not so much. And I think that the way that Sabonis is used in the offense as well, it lessens the need for a true point guard. But at the same time, I still think that if they were able to acquire a talent like Chris Paul, not saying Chris Paul is going to be available, he's got a player option, but I'm saying if they were to go out and get a guy that has that pedigree and that, you know, that reputation like a Chris Paul, that'd be interesting. So real quick here, Fachi, I'm just going to list all of the point guard free agents. Make sure I don't leave anybody off. I know you have the list up as well. But we got Chris Paul, like I just mentioned. We've got Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dennis Schroeder, Alfred Payton, Patty Mills, Kendrick Nunn, Devontae Graham, TJ McConnell, and Derrick Rose. Is there anybody I left off that list, Fudge? Did you mention Kyle Lowry? I did say Kyle Lowry. Okay, yes, all right. So he must have been one of the first names. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I would say for the most part that that covers the main point guards that you would want to be looking at. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it you still have the mid-level exception this year for the Pacers. I'm not sure number-wise how that works out. I will try to get that number for you guys in a later podcast. I'll talk with some cap gurus because, quite frankly, I'm just not sure. But I know that they still have some form of mid-level exception they can they can use, even though they are technically uh, again over the cap right now. They're not against the uh, the hard cap, but they're over the, the salary cap. So they can't really go out and, and get a big-name free agent like a Chris Paul, like a Conley, like a Lowry, unless they were to make some trades or do a sign-and-trade. So looking at this team, is there anybody that you think would make sense for a sign-and-trade, Fudge? I mean, out of the point guards over there, I mean, it, it would be interesting. I mean, I know a couple of years ago there was there was the Mike Conley rumors. There was. And mm-hmm. I think that Conley uh, had a rough year two years ago, but this year really bounced back, and a big reason why the Jazz were in that one seat. Obviously, he's got the ties to Indiana. But for a sign-and-trade, you know – I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is someone I've been very curious about. I like Dinwiddie's game. Uh, another guy who's not a true point guard, but like I said before, there's really no one really is anymore. It's it's very few. Um, so Dinwiddie's someone that if the price was right, I'd have my eyes on. I feel like the Nets would be looking to to make a deal, you know, rather than just let him walk. Um, other than that, I mean, Dennis Schroeder had a good year, but I just don't know what you'd really pay him. And uh, Kyle Lowry, I mean, very intriguing, but – I don't really know if we'd necessarily be at the top of his list. Yeah, that's that's a great point with Kyle Lowry. And Spencer Dinwiddie, it's so hard to figure out because, look, I'll be honest with you, if the Pacers were to try to get Spencer Dinwiddie on a sign-and-trade and maybe trade a Miles Turner-like player to Brooklyn, that would make me a little bit nervous if I'm the Pacers organization because of who's already on that Nets team. Throwing Miles Turner into that starting five, that's pretty. that's pretty impressive. You know, Joe Harris with Ky, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and James Harden with Miles Turner, defending the paint on that. Miles My, Turner has already understood what it means to be the sacrificial lamb in terms of the offensive production yep. and touches. So he would have no problem fitting into that role. Rebounding-wise, we obviously know he's not a great rebounder, but his his potential to protect the rim, I think that would make Brooklyn really scary. It would also make the Pacers less likely to do that. Now, if they wanted to get Spencer Dinwiddie, I think one way they could do it is either do a sign and like a double sign and trade where the Pacers send Doug McDermott out to Brooklyn. I would be less worried about that, but still a little bit concerned. But having those type of shooters out there with him and Joe Harris, who have the same agent, would be interesting. But overall, Foch, you brought up Mike Conley. I think this is a guy that I really like. I know that he's 
had, you know, ups and downs in his career and he's had some injury problems, but he's been really good for the, uh, the Utah jazz the last couple of years. And I know the previous season was rough, but in the playoffs, he looked better in the bubble. And then this season when he's been healthy, he's looked pretty good. Do you think he might be interested in coming home? And do you think that there's a possible sign and trade there with the Pacers? I do think that he could be interested in coming home if he's not going to work out, you know, a long-term deal with Utah. But let's be honest, this this next contract that Mike Conley signs very well could be his last. Yeah. 30, 33 years old, um, you know, I think at this point, you know, Indiana is home. Uh, I think that for some people they do value, you know, being able to finish your career there. Uh, at the start of October, he'll turn 34. So he'll be 34 for the start of this season. Um, the money would have to be right. And at that point, Conley's coming off making $34 million this year. So are the Pacers willing to really pony up and make a move like that? Ah, it could be tough. I mean, if you're going to do a sign and trade, just kind of throwing out some numbers there, basically Miles Turner, Jeremy Lamb, and, you know, I guess you'd have to maybe sprinkle in some Aaron Holiday or, or someone of a little bit lesser contract would kind of match up to that $34 million, even though he'd sign a new deal. So maybe you'd have to hope he's willing to take a discount, basically, at minimum, in order to really pursue this. Because I don't think you could be paying Mike Conley Jr., you know, $35 million at this point in his career. Yeah, let me throw out this at you. What about what about Malcolm Brogdon? Well, and, 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 and salary filler, maybe Jeremy Lamb or Aaron Holiday in that deal. But I, I think that you get Conley maybe on a three for twenty, three for seventy-five type of contract, similar to what they were looking at for Gordon Hayward last season. If he wants to come home, now I'm not saying he does or he wants to be in Indiana. I mean, I have zero idea on that. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, throwing out some different hypotheticals. Do you think there's any possibility that the Pacers say, "Hey, we're going to trade Malcolm Brogdon, who's going to be 29 um, in December this upcoming season"? From, from Mike Conley, it, it makes some sense for Utah because they get another young guy to go with Donovan Mitchell, and it gets them a true point guard and somebody maybe that fits a little bit better than Brogdon does here. It's interesting. I could definitely see where the Jazz could be interested in that. You know, you're getting younger. You're getting someone who signed for two more years um, at a cheaper rate than what you were paying Conley. Um, and then Mike Conley, you kind of – here's what – if you're just going to go from a sheer numbers perspective – it's more of a safe bet that Brogdon's going to be a higher scoring guard, you know, without a doubt, I would say at this point in Conley's career. But you're hoping that Conley has that Chris Paul effect, you know, that, that effect to be able to kind of change the culture, being a true veteran that can get the most out of everybody else. And while I think Brogdon kind of, not to say talks the talk, I feel like Mike Conley is more likely to walk the walk and get everybody <laughs> to buy in where Brogdon, it sounds like every time you hear him speak, it just sounds like he's so well-spoken. It sounds like that's what a leader should be like, but make no doubt about it. Mike Conley was one of the leaders on that, if not the leader, on that grit and grind, you know, Grizzlies team for years. So it would be interesting, but if, if, if you're going to be overpaying, then it's a bold move for the Pacers at this point in Conley's career. Yeah, it definitely is just a hypothetical very unlikely to happen. I think Conley yeah. more than likely stays in Utah. I think so. I would be a little bit surprised if he left, but stranger things have happened. I think Lonzo Ball, me and you had an off-air conversation, and you think that it's unlikely the Pacers go after Lonzo Ball, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense. So where you're, uh, why do you feel that he might not be the, the right guy here for the Indiana Pacers? As a player, 
I like Lonzo Ball. I lo- his passing ability is something you simply cannot teach. Happens to be a bit inconsistent. That's the thing. Every time I buy back into Lonzo Ball, it feels like he scores six points the next night, you know, while he's coming off of a 30-point game in the previous. It's just very high and low. But here's the thing. I've heard that he's unhappy in New Orleans. What makes us think he's going to be happy in Indiana? This is a California kid, someone who you feel like wants to be in that major city, probably thinks that he's much better than he is. I think this is someone who wants to be in the spotlight of, you know, a bigger market. And I think, unfortunately, the Pacers are unable to provide that for him. Being a restricted free agent, of course, uh, you know, the Pelicans have every right to be able to match that deal. But I wouldn't be surprised if he is involved in a sign-and-trade. I just don't really expect it to be Indiana. And I get I get that side of it, but I, I think what's funny is how interested they've been to Miles Turner. Openly interested. They, mm-hmm. they almost traded for him two years ago in the yep. draft, if you don't re, if you don't re, uh, recall that they did. So I think there is something there. I, look, with Lonzo on this team, I think defensively he's really good. Offensively, he's getting better as a player. I think his playmaking ability really would be nice for this Pacers team, another addition. I think athletically they need a guy like that who can be, you know, more than just a three-point shooter. Yeah, and shot improved. It did. Yeah, but I think defensively is where I really like his game because Mm -hmm. he's improved in that area as well. And if you're going to look at the Pacers' struggles from last year, defense was the biggest problem, and it was more so on the perimeter than anything else. So I think this is where it makes sense. If the Pacers are able to make the playoffs, I think that could kind of, you know, turn some of his sour thoughts towards the Pelicans a little bit sweet because making the playoffs where he can make a name for himself, if they utilize him the right way, like I'd be totally fine if there's moments with the second unit where he is kind of like the guy that's orchestrating things out there, but not like always orchestrating. I just feel like he can play point guard, but he's almost a little bit better off ball. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about him there, Flash, but I'm just I'm just not 100% sure with Lonzo. I, I I like his game. I don't think it's the best move that the Pacers can get in a in a terms of a sign and trade deal, but I do like the potential. So let's look at TJ McConnell replacements. If he's unable to return to the team this year if they decide to go in a different direction, is there somebody that you think could be affordable on a cheaper contract? One guy that I've always liked his game from a distance and this is in a backup standpoint, Patty Mills. Patty Mills is, I think, just a good backup point guard. He could shoot the three ball very well. He's, he's spent most of his career under pop. I mean, that's someone who's a veteran who's won. I mean, I, I think that it, it's someone that you don't have to worry about at all as a backup point guard. I feel like he's going to be able to handle business. He's an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, you're not going to have to do these sign and trades, you know, or, or, you know, bid up in, in restricted free agency anything of a sort, that's someone that that I've always kind of liked from a distance. He, he brings a lot to the table that we've been talking about, and that's a veteran leader. 33 years old this upcoming offseason. He just finished a four-year for $48 million contract, so averaged about $12 million a year throughout that, throughout that contract. I don't think that he really deserves much more than that, no. especially at the age of 33. I don't know what the Pacers would be willing to offer, but I do know – that San Antonio has a lot of ways they can go this summer. And if you can get Patty Mills in a sign and trade for one of the centers, specifically Miles Turner, and then maybe get something else added into that with Patty Mills, because I definitely don't want just Patty Mills for, no, no for one, Turner, no. but I'm talking about maybe a young guy that brings some promise. 
have to be like a Lonnie Walker. See, I'm not know. a big Lonnie Walker guy. I, I used to I'm be not, in the draft, but I Keldon Johnson is a guy that we, I think would be interesting. We love we love Keldon Johnson. They are not partying with Keldon Johnson and trade like that. Uh, I, I would like it if they would. I would like it if they would, but I, I don't they, think they're gonna they have to him. give up something to get Turner. I think Turner is a massive upgrade over Yaka Pertle. Oh, <laughs> you yeah, know, without a doubt. Say what you want about Pertle. I mean, I've seen some of his game. I get why people think that he's fine there, but I they don't have a backup center. Like they've got so many wing players. I just don't think that Lonnie Walker is a guy that I want. Like Devin Vassell is someone I think is really good, but they're not gonna get rid of him. That's why I think Keldon Johnson could be had in a in a similar in a deal similar to this. I mean, it's just I'm not a thousand percent sure. Maybe they trade a, a future pick or something like that to go along with it. But I mean, I'm just looking at terms of like trying to acquire somebody that might be out of the range of the mid-level exception that makes your team better. But like I said, I'm not doing it straight up. So don't say that I did that. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, don't be like, Alex said he would trade Turner yeah. for Patty Mills. That's not what I'm saying. No. I'm saying Patty Mills in a trade package would be nice to get just to have some veteran leadership on this team. But TJ McConnell does provide that. I think Devontae Graham's a little bit of a sexy name because of the good season he had two years ago, almost winning most improved player. Kendrick Nunn really had a breakout season this year. I think if, he's going to get some decent money, though. I do. It just depends. Yeah, I mean, what he had a nice little run there against the Bucks in the playing uh, in the playoffs during that game four stretch where he was the only one hitting any baskets. But a report came out today that the uh, the the Heat might be looking to offer Jimmy Butler a max contract where he could be making like fifty million dollars at the a end lot of, the, of money. The final years of his contract, <laughs> they ain't going to have room or money to sign Kendrick Nunn. No. And then other than that, I'm not a big Alfred Payton guy. So no, either am I. I'm not on that. I, I think you've got four guys here that make some sense between Patty Mills, Kendrick Nunn, Devontae Graham, and TJ McConnell for your backup point guard, unless they draft one. And that's that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing. So any other thoughts on this point guard free agency class, Foch? No, uh, like, like we touched on before, you know, I, I've always had my eyes on Spencer Dinwiddie from a distance. I, I like Dinwiddie. You know, we know Chris Paul's not coming. Um, you know, he's likely going to opt in. He's not giving up, you know, $40 million at this point in his career. Um, so, you know, we went through some, some options, you know, we got the, the reaching options of, Hey, this probably won't happen, but this would be fun down to the more realistic options. So we still, I I think are both in agreement that TJ McConnell returning to the Pacers feels like it could be a 60, 40, 65, 35, something where it feels more likely to happen than not to happen. And the cost, it feels like he's cost effective. So wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, that's just – he's our backup point guard next year, but only time will tell, and I think we threw out some decent names that could be alternative options. Yes, yeah, so I just want to throw this little thing out here real quick. The Pacers could create cap space by trading Brogdon and one of the centers. Now, look, they could trade Levert and one of the centers. I mean, they could just trade two starters, basically, to create maximum cap space. But I think right now Brogdon is the highest-paid player on the Pacers. Believe so. Yep. And so if you if you were to trade him, he's got twenty one point seven million dollars for next season. I did a I did a little scenario just throwing out different hypotheticals for where the Pacers could create almost twenty nine million dollars. Uh, they get twenty nine million dollars off the cap for next season would give them about twenty million dollars to play with. And in this scenario, the Pacers would be trading Malcolm Brogdon to the Dallas Mavericks, and they would get Jalen Brunson and Dorian uh, Finney Smith back. They would also send Miles Turner to San Antonio for a 2021 top eight protected pick. And then I threw in Lonnie Walker, but you could also throw in Keldon Johnson in this move. 
it would give the Pacers roughly 20 to $21 million in cap space, which that could be enticing if you see a name out there. Like we mentioned, like, for example, Mike Conley. Look, maybe there's a way you can go out and get a Mike Conley at this point because of the trade you made. And it does give you a little bit of depth and it gives you a little bit more flexibility. We know Kevin Pritchard has preached flexibility. I don't think this is the move they're going to do or the route they're going to go. But if they wanted to get off guys and create some cap space, this to me makes a lot of sense, Fudge. It's very intriguing because on paper, when you hear Jalen Brunson, you're like the backup point guard on the Mavs. Jalen Brunson had a really good year this year. He was he was one of the, the top guys in terms of six men of the year. Uh, a guy that in just under 25 minutes averaged 12 and a half points, shooting over 52% and over 40% from three. The talent's there. I think that he can take a next step forward. Um, you know, when you're mentioning being able to get Kelton Johnson, if that's a possibility, if you can walk away in a deal of offering Brogdon and Turner, and you can walk away with the 12th overall pick, have back-to-back picks, uh, Kelton Johnson, Jalen Brunson, and Dorian Finney-Smith, that's a pretty well-rounded team. We're obviously giving away likely the, the best two players in the deal. For sure. But it's about shedding the salary while bringing in younger guys, a first-round pick, those are guys that can take that next step where right now there's a very good chance this might be as good as, as Malcolm Brogdon ever is. There really is. Yeah. Uh, a fringe below an all-star, like right, like he's right there. Uh, and Miles Turner, like, hey, he, he definitely improved on the defensive side of things. Offensively, it, it, it might just not be there. It might not. I know it wasn't his role, so sure, you could probably send him to a team where he is asked a lot more offensively, and he's putting up bigger numbers. But it depends what you're going to do with that cap space afterwards that would justify this deal. On paper, that's a pretty it's a pretty decent return, assuming that you obviously nailed the draft pick and you put that $29 million towards landing someone big. Yeah, so the Pacers would not have $29 million to spend, but that's what they'd be shedding yeah. since they are over the cap. So I think it would be around twenty. Just want to clarify in case anybody was a little bit confused. But that gives you $20 million. That's $20 million you didn't have before the free agent market hit. And I know last year a lot of people were like, just trade Turner to New York so we can sign Gordon Hayward by himself. It's yeah, like right. it's not how it works, people. You know, you got to have these guys come off the books, but you've got McConnell coming off the books, McDermott coming off the books this would allow you to have cap space to go get those other players that you might want. So this is just a different scenario to look at. Obviously, we're going to look at multiple scenarios as this offseason continues to go on. We've got close to two months before we're even hitting the NBA draft. So, you know, I just I like the idea of Dorian Finney-Smith as a starter with this Pacers uh, team. I like the idea of Jalen Brunson, whether he comes off the bench or, or whatever he is. I just love his playmaking ability. I've tweeted it a few times, but I feel like Jalen Brunson is to the Dallas Mavericks what George Hill was to the San Antonio Spurs. I like it. And then then whatever you get between Lonnie Walker, I think there is some potential there. I just don't love his game. He hasn't proven enough to me to really showcase he can be that next star or has that next thing in him. Mm -hmm. He just seems like a role player, and I'm just not sure he makes a lot of sense. Kelvin Johnson does provide some promise, though. So, I mean, if they can get Turner for Kelvin Johnson in the first-round pick, I feel like San Antonio might be interested in that. But at the same time, they have a lot of different ways they can go. But I love the fit of Brogdon next to Luka Doncic because of his ability to knock the three-point shot down. And, you know, say what you want about Brogdon. He's not the greatest defender, but I think able being able to guard, you know, different wings would help this team. And just being a little bit more of a consistent ball handler, three-point shooter, 
then what you have in Finney Smith makes sense, but they probably would not have the money to bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. So I think this is where this kind of gets trippy a little bit and doing all of these different scenarios, but wanted to throw it out there. So Fachi, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss the teams that could be interested in acquiring a center. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, we are back and we are going to talk about teams that could be interested in trading for a center this offseason. So, Fachi, we came together and I think we put 11 teams down. Is that right? Sounds about right. So 11 different teams that could be trading for centers. And I can make the case that there's possibly more teams that could be looking to upgrade their team. So where do you want to start out here, Fudge? So you did confirm we came with 11 teams. And, and guys, look, it could be more. It could be less. These were just 11 that felt like, hey, you know, they should be looking to potentially upgrade at center. So uh, starting off, I, I think we'll go with uh, – we can go with the Charlotte Hornets. I think there's no team that has a bigger need – for a center than the Charlotte Hornets. They have just $81 million committed for next year. Uh, and just as, as a reference, the salary cap is believed to be right around $112 million. So uh, plenty of cap space right there. Bismack Biombo, Cody Zeller, both unrestricted free agents. Uh, those are guys that were, were making you know some pretty decent money. Cody Zeller, I believe, was right around that, like close to $15 million. Uh, I think I have the exact $15.4 million. Biombo second stint around as a Hornet, just 2.3, but I, everyone still remembers that big contract in the past. Anyway, um, if you're looking at their center situation, P.J. Washington can play small ball, but he's not going to be your ideal center on every night. Vernon Carey Jr., just a, a nice little backup over there. They're picking 11th overall. I think that this team center should be at the top of their uh, needs. Oh, I definitely agree with that. They've been rumored to be interested in Miles Turner. I think that with the upcoming draft, they will probably target a center at pick yeah. 11 if that's where they stay unless they move up in the draft. So to me, that makes sense. They currently next season with projections will have $28.8 million in cap space. And out of the teams that we mentioned, that is the third most cap space out of the teams mentioned. So um, let's talk about a team, Foch, that – of course, we just spent some time on the San Antonio Spurs. They're going to have $52.3 million of free cap space this offseason. So um, who do they have coming off the books? So right now, you're going to have just Jacob Pottle and you're going to have Drew Eubanks under contract. Those are the only centers that are going to be on the books. In terms of just, you know, we talked about it um, before, but DeMar DeRozan, you know, not a center, but DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, Gorge Jang, those guys are all off the books. I know Jang, he didn't have, you know, all of his money over there. That was previously paid by Minnesota. But big contracts are coming off the books and not enough centers on the roster. So I think that this is a huge opportunity for the Pacers. Oh, Trey Lyles also coming off the books. Okay. Um, so they have a huge need at center. 
Um, and, and right now, I mean, you know, hey, if they were interested in a center, you obviously have the ties of Miles Turner to Texas over there. You know, obviously, I, I would think that they would have interest in Sabonis. They're a team that's picking 12th overall. So they could be targeting a center in the draft. But this is kind of that time where they have a lot of money to spend. So, and not going to lie, San Antonio is really not going to be a big destination for free agents. So I think trading for a center could be your best bet, if not drafting one at 12. Yeah, I think San Antonio is going to get kind of interesting this offseason with all that cap space because they are very active in trades. I feel like they are not afraid to go out and make a move, but it would not surprise me either if they did re-sign a guy like DeMar DeRozan just because they don't know what it's like. They've never really tanked outside of the Tim Duncan nope. there. So that's uh, the, the year they, you know, tanked for Tim Duncan. So it's it's quite interesting to look at this team and, and, and think where they could be heading. I think that there are some guys in the draft that could be interesting for them, but at the same time, you know, Yaka Pertle is a fine fit there. I mean, I never was really big on him whenever he was with Toronto. He was a part of the Kawhi Leonard trade, yep. if you guys forgot about that. So he was in that DeRozan and Leonard trade. He was that other person. So I like him a lot, but at the end of the day, I just – I don't know what his ceiling is with that team, but they make a lot of sense. And $52.3 million, I mean, that is a lot of cap a space, Futch. A lot of cap space. So they're going to have to do something with it. And a team that's even got more cap space than that projected next season, the New York Knickerbockers, who are down three games to one, is currently recording to Nate McMillan and the Atlanta Hawks. So, Fachi, I've been watching that series, and the Knicks could use some help. No doubt about it. Nerlens Noel is their best option at center, and Taj Gibson is their backup center. I think they could definitely use a guy like Sabonis or a guy like Miles Turner. No, without a doubt, because the two names that you just mentioned both are slated for free agency. So, you know, while I think Nerlens Noel had, you know, I don't know, I guess you want to call it maybe a, a bounce back year. He's never really lived up to his draft stock, but defensively, he was very good for them. So when you look at their roster right now, you're looking at Mitchell Robinson is going to have a $1.8 million team option. The Knicks, who are flush with cap space, they'll pick that up. He's someone who has failed to stay healthy. So you're looking at the rest of the roster. The need for a center is beyond evident. They might not even have another center. on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A roster, you know, so going into free agency. So they're going to have the need. They're going to have the cap room. Sure, they could absorb contracts, but, you know, it feels that they have some young pieces that they could be on the move. I think their their rebuilding process kind of maybe sped up a bit quicker than people thought. So I expect the Knicks to, you know, be looking to now build something consistently. So they might want to just trade for a more proven center. And also, Alex, we have to factor in, they have two first-round picks. They have a Dallas Mavericks pick as well. So this is a team that has assets. They have cap space. They have the draft picks. They have young players. So I would not be surprised if they are making some calls. I think a guy like Sabonis, you know, could be very intriguing for them. 
obviously so could Miles Turner. I think they would probably prefer a bit, you know, you don't really know because Tom, you know, Tibbs loves his defense, loves yeah. it. You know, if you're going to get rid of Nerlens Noel, a guy like Miles Turner is going to be a great shot blocker, rim protector. That's what you're giving up in Nerlens Noel. And Nerlens- Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Turlins is, at best, a very poor man's Miles Turner. Yeah, so what I'll say there with New York, Julius Randle and Sabonis playing together does not make a lot of sense. I because know. It doesn't. It doesn't. They run the offense through Randle, and I understand that he's had a rough playoff, not been the best showing for him, but at the end of the day, it's not necessarily his fault. It's no. kind of the type of basketball they're playing. They've been very ISO heavy all season long, but come playoff time, that's kind of hard to do, especially when you don't have ISO ball handlers like James Harden, those kind of guys to get their own basket. Like, they're not utilizing R.J. Barrett the proper way, I don't feel like, this playoff. And relying on Derrick Rose and Reggie Bullock and those kind of guys, Alec Burks, to really deliver, you're basically asking guys to do things that they're probably not the best at doing. Like Derrick Rose maybe, you know, is a, is a go-to scorer, but the other two guys, I feel like they're role players for a reason, right? And there's a reason Derrick Rose, for the most part, have been coming off the bench. He's a, he's a bench guy now, and it's is what it is at this point. But I really do think that New York – could use an upgrade there's a lot of different moves they can make if i'm the pacers would i be afraid to send one of my guys to new york i don't think i'd necessarily be too afraid of it but i I think that i'd have to get something back and you mentioned them having the mavericks pick in this year's draft i believe they have more mavericks picks and future picks so um they do have other picks i would personally like to try to trade for their 2022 pick because I feel like this season they completely overachieved in a weird COVID season. Not saying I don't like them and don't think they're fine, but I think there's a likelihood they miss the playoffs next year more so than I would like to, you know, bank on trading for a Dallas pick because I feel like Dallas with Luka, there's no way they're not making the playoffs. Oh, Dallas is definitely going to be, you know, they have some, I think they're going to be making some moves this offseason. So I expect them to be in the playoffs. The guy like Luka is too good to keep out of the playoffs. The Knicks truly did feel like they came out of nowhere. I know that the cap space, you know, that'll that'll tell all of where they're going. But obviously when you mentioned, you know, Julius Randle and Sabonis were very comparable for a large part of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like even when it came down to that final all-star spot, you know, it went to Julius Randle initially before Sabonis got in, you know, due to Kevin Durant dropping out. But they were those guys that if you went by the numbers were – the only players to really put up, you know, it was like Jokic, Randall, and Sabonis to put up like 20, 10, and like five assists or something like that, you know. So very similar. So I could see their, their need for Miles Turner being a bit more evident. But uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what they're doing. I would definitely put them at a team that is very, very interested in acquiring a center. But uh, next, a team that you mentioned, the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks right now, you got Porzingis under contract. You have Willie Cauley-Stein, Dwight Powell. So it sounds like, sure, you know, that, that's a lot. But if $90 million committed so they have cap space, they might be looking to move Porzingis. You know, we, we've heard some rumblings that contract may be a bit too big to move. Um, you know, as we've mentioned before with Miles Turner, he, he is from the Dallas area. So, 
you know, if he's going to be traded somewhere, I, I don't think he'd be too mad about going to the Dallas Mavericks. But what do you think that they would be looking for, looking at center-wise? Do you think they're content with who they have? Or, I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein, that's not anyone who's jumping off the page at me. Dwight Powell, you know, good player, but, you know, you can move on there. But it's that Porzingis contract that kind of feels like the make or break. Yeah, I don't love either Sabonis and Porzingis or Turner and Porzingis together. I feel like at this point in his career, Kristaps Porzingis is more than – is more a center than he is anything else. Yes. He can't really guard four. So that's where you're stuck at that. And if you're trying to trade for Turner, you don't want to pull him away from the basket. And we saw how difficult it could be for Sabonis to guard fours, right? So that's where I'm looking at this Mavericks team. And if they were to trade for a center, I think Miles Turner does make a lot of sense. I know Dallas fans would be excited to have him back. Anytime there's been talks about the Pacers maybe trading, uh, trading Turner, Mavericks fans have jumped in the mentions and say, come home. So I do think that there's something there, but I, I believe that uh, when you say that they might look to move Kristaps Porzingis and looking at these teams that have cap space, I wonder if San Antonio would have inter- any interest in them. I'm not saying they would, but I feel like there could be something there. Aside from that, I, obviously New York's not going to trade back for Kristaps Porzingis, but that would be no. hysterical if they did. But I just I'm just not sure where this team moves Porzingis to. I want to say Sac. I want to say Sacramento makes some sense because they're just a team that everybody loves to, you know, pile up their bad players on and bad contracts on and whatever. But there's there's a bunch of different possibilities. I just don't love Kristaps Porzingis' game as much as I thought I might when he was with New York. He was a fun story on a bad team, but I just think if if you're a team that's trying to win big, they they made a big move in going out and getting Porzingis and signing him to that max contract, but. I don't think he's worth it, Flash. I really don't. And Not at all. I don't think the knees are going to hold up. I really don't. Yeah, I don't either. So that's that's tougher. I think that, like I said earlier, trading Brogdon to Dallas makes more sense, but that's not what this segment is. So we're talking about trading centers, and I know that we have a lot more teams to get here. So I'm just going to list the teams that we have mentioned here, Flash, and I'll let you pick a couple that we can discuss to kind of wrap this up. Because if we go through every team, it's going to be a lot. But uh, – the rest of our, our list, we have the Pelicans. They have $17.5 million this offseason of cap space. Toronto, they have $9 million in cap space. And Sacramento has $8.4 million in cap space. Those are three teams that could be interested in trading for a center that have a little bit of cap space. And then there's four teams here that we have on our list that are in the negative on cap space for next year. Washington, negative 9.8. Boston, negative 23.9. The Clippers, 36.8 negative. And the Warriors negative 55.4 million for them. So obviously they have some big contracts that they're paying out there in Golden State and Los Angeles. Celtics obviously have big contracts too between their big three. Any of those teams that I mentioned that you want to talk about before we uh, wrap up this segment? I mean, I, I would say we can just kind of push those ones there in the negative cap space almost to the side a bit. Um, come on right over here. You know, we talked about before about the Pelicans. Um, they'll have cap space, $94 million committed. James Johnson, Willie Hernan Gomez, both hitting free agency. Both, both players, you know, I mean, James Johnson, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't want to just call him just a body, but Willie Hernan Gomez for his status, he played well, but I don't think they're really going to bring him back. $35 million owed to Steven Adams, and you have Jackson Hayes, who has been promising, but he's due a bigger role. So here's the thing. We know they've had interest in Miles Turner, which we've touched on before. Uh, if you're going to, if they're going to make a move for anyone, I feel like Jackson Hayes 
could be included in there. You're talking about a guy that was picked top 10. Um, so it seems more than likely, you know, if they want to take on a center, they're going to deal a center. I'm not really interested in Steven Adams by any means at this point. So do you think the Pelicans would really make a move or do you think they kind of go, hey, look, Steven Adams is signed. We already drafted a center. Do we just stick with it? I mean, I understand the Jackson Hayes part of it because they're excited about what his future can be, but I don't think Steven Adams makes a whole lot of sense for this roster and this build. I don't I don't understand why they – I told you last year when they signed him no to sense. the extension, it was the worst move of the offseason, and they traded for Eric Bledsoe. So that just goes to show you where I am with this entire Pelicans team. So, look, I'm not wanting Steven Adams back in a trade, but no, he's going to no, be making no, around, no. around the same amount of money as Miles. I think that there are teams that could be interested in Adams if they miss out on a team. So I said this yesterday when I talked with Dave Searle about what I think is going to happen. I think Rashawn Holmes for the Kings is going to get paid. And I think that a team like Toronto or Charlotte makes sense for him. So that would free up Sacramento to be able to take on a contract. And I think Sacramento would be okay taking on Steven Adams contract for the next two years as that center because he's a better position. He's a better center than some of the other guys that could go out there and get. Now they could trade for Turner. There's no doubt about it, but if the Pelicans have more to offer than what the Kings have, then the Kings can maybe get in there in a three-way deal and, and maybe get him. But if the, if the Pacers are unable to get Lonzo Ball in the sign and trade, like we mentioned earlier for Miles, I, I think that you might have to take back Eric Bledsoe's contract because I don't think they want to give all of their cap space just to trading Miles. But Eric Bledsoe's not a bad player. If you put him on the bench, I don't think he's a starter-level player, but he'd have to embrace that bench role. I think a young guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker would be somebody I'd be interested in as well if you're going to trade a team that desperately wants a Miles Turner. But at the end of the day, they've got that 10th overall pick, Flatch, and if they're willing to part ways with that or, or, or a pick for next season, I think they've got so many picks between the Bucks trade and the Lakers trade, they're not great picks, but I think they have enough picks where they might be willing to part with some. I don't want to call it the mystery box because I know I've said that, but Alex, I want another pick, and I want that pick to be higher than 13. If the Pacers can make something happen where they're shedding salary and get the 10th and the 13th overall pick, it, it it's going to pay off for the future. It is. We know this current Pacers roster is not it. There, there's no way around it. This team is not going to turn to a championship team. But if you have two lottery picks, there's potential there. Those guys can grow. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be cheaper. It allows you more flexibility. I, I think that if the Pelicans were willing to give up the 10th overall pick and maybe, I don't know, maybe it is the kill Alexander Walker. Maybe it is Jackson Hayes. And we don't really need another center. That's the yeah. thing. So it's like if, if you bring in Jackson Hayes now, all of a sudden we're looking at Sabonis, Jackson Hayes, and Goga, and it's like, oh, my God, what are we doing here? But, you know, I, I think that if we can get that 10th overall pick, I mean, I don't think you could be too mad about that. No, I don't, I don't think you can. But at the end of the day, I think that you have to – when you make a trade, when you're trading a guy like Turner or like a Sabonis, it has to be a smart move and not just a move to make a move. So Of course. If the Pelicans move up in the draft lottery, then I think that makes it even more enticing. Um, and and really, what kind of young talent do they need? Because looking at their roster, it's pretty young. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, that's their future. Kyra Lewis is the guy they drafted last year from Alabama as a point guard. What do they do with Lonzo? Does he get retained? Does, does he move on? Do they, you know, match any contract offer? Like, look, they've got young players on this roster. Do they need to continue to get 
to be getting younger or should they trade for some guys that fit around Zion and Brandon Ingram? That's kind of where I'm at with that team. But other than that, I think Toronto could make some sense, but I really just want to look at most of the Western conference teams aside from Charlotte, because I feel like those are the teams that make the most sense for the Pacers to trade one of their centers. And we'll get into that later in the offseason. We got plenty of time. We're going to make a list of guys that we think the Pacers could trade for. And I think that you guys will really be in, intrigued by that. You're getting some teasers here as we discuss teams that could be traded for, but or teams that could trade for a center. But at the end of the day, there's just so many different avenues this team could go in, in terms of looking at making a trade. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Foch, what are you wanting in return for one of these centers? I'm wanting a draft pick and I'm wanting a, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least I want it bad, bad. You remind me of a Colts GM, Chris Ballard. You love them picks. I was making moves. Uh, honestly, I, I think the Colts have done some great things, um, but I want, I want a lottery pick, another one. And I want, you know, either a, a another young player or a guy that can contribute right away. Yeah. Be someone that, that that's good to go starter level, or you're talking about sixth, seventh man, like something like that. Um, because look, centered, that's our luxury right now. We, that's what we're rich in. But Patriots have a lot of other needs. And I think that there's a lot of other teams that have a lot of other assets that are a little bit poor in the center department. So, hey, I think we can work something out. I definitely agree with that, and I don't want to get too much more into it. So if there's yep. any teams that you think we might have left off the list, message us on social media. Fachi, where can the people find us? You can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. You can find me on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And at the end of the day, if you're a fan of Jermaine O'Neal, stand up and say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.